Welcome to the next episode of Podcast Payoffs. My name is Gord Vickman here with my pod partner, Dan Sullivan. Dan, how are you? I'm good. Been traveling the Western Hemisphere in the last two or three weeks, mm -hmm. on the way to Buenos Aires in Argentina. Yeah, it's human, just like all the other places I've been to. Well, that was a teaser. So do you want to give a two-line summary of why you're up and down to Argentina? Regenerative medicine. Yeah, I'm doing regenerative medicine, which is the most advanced, probably stem cell clinic in the world. It's a marvelous scientific lab that has a clinic. Pushing 80, I'll be 80 in three months. And I have some orthopedic injuries from the 1970s, which I have refused to get replacements, like knee replacements. One of them is... Uh, Torn cartilage from the 1975, more or less put up with it for almost 50 years. And this new possibility of regrowing your cartilage came up and we jogged on it and it's a bit of a trick. A lot of teamwork involved in the whole process of going down there. And that's my clumsy segue into the topic of conversation for the podcast today, because the latest quarterly book is called Everyone and Everything Grows. And I read it and I thought this could be the Bible give or take for teamwork and team building, I thought we could give it a little bit of love. And podcast payoffs, if you haven't joined the show before, we cover the intersection of teamwork and technology. So we thought we'd go through as many of these as we have occasion to do so. And then I can maybe throw a few questions at you to see how would technology either hinder or assist each of these points. So before we get into the nitty gritty here, Dan, what inspired you to write this book, Everyone and Everything Gross? Where did this come from? I was aware of a particular request on the part of our entrepreneurial clients, and this is year 35 of the strategic coach program in workshop form. So we started, Babs and I got this going in 1989, Bab Smith, who is my partner in life and my partner in business. So we've put together a great team over 35 years and just basically making up the structures and the processes that we use in coach, and it reflects what entrepreneurs get in the strategic coach program. But it really got very, very intense during and after COVID that people are saying, how did you ever put this company together? Because we just flew through COVID. I mean, it was about a three-month fast hustle to get the whole program and all of our interaction with our clients switched over from in-person workshops, which was 100% in-person workshops to 100% Zoom. And we pulled it off in 90 days. We took a hit. You know, certain people just couldn't handle the Zoom experience as far as clients are going. But our team came out stronger after two and a half years. Our team came out stronger than we went in. And we had acquired this new global capability to have workshops that went all over the world virtually. So the people said, you know, where do you get such great people in all that? Which is an interesting question that I've got a series of answers for. But the big thing was it got to the point where I said, we've never written a book on the backstage of a strategic coach. So put it together. You know, it's a 90 day project went together and it just went very, very smoothly. And I have nine team members on the team who take aspects of the book production, go to the audio, the video, and the cartooning, and it just went very, very smoothly. We adjusted our whole company and how we operated to Zoom, and we adjusted the whole program 
So I said, we learned a lot about how good we are during the COVID period by talking about how you put the company together actually sells the program better than if you had a book about the program. Yeah, and I think you heard people talk about Zoom fatigue and whatnot. There, I think there were companies that were using it properly and there were companies that weren't. If you had used Zoom as a monitoring tool where everyone's just constantly connected, for example, we have a tool here at Coach called the Fast Filter, the Impact Filter for a longer form version of that. That gets completed before any meetings, especially those with you. Dan, I know you love meetings, but everyone has to complete the filter before <laughs> any of these meetings happen. So if you're using Zoom just to sit around and stare at people, then I'm sure that's where the fatigue came in. But if you're going in with purpose, I don't think you really need to be on Zoom for huddles longer than an hour. Yeah, but I just can't add one this morning. We have a Zoom sales meeting Worldwide, you know, they'll probably have people from 10 time zones on it. The actual team member who is the MC for it is in London, England. And we have, you know, people from the continent, European continent. We have people from Africa, people from the Middle East, going east as far as Mumbai and India. And then going west, of course, all of North America, we would have all North America. There will be some Australians and New Zealanders there. South America, we'd have South Americans on. Well, we couldn't do that before, but we had a meeting and there were about 15 of us and everything was prompted by a fast filter that Eleonora Mancini had put together. And we just went through, walked it and I said, everybody clear about it? And there were some questions and I made some adjustments from the last time we did it just to make it more user-friendly for people who had no coach experience before. And half hour and we were all set. We have 300 on the guest list, and our statistics tell us that we'll get 180. So 60% will show up, and out of that, we'll get 20% sign up. So that's yeah, pretty good. Mm -hmm. In the book, you talk about no defense budget. Yeah. Sounds military, but I think it has more to do with teamwork. Can you elaborate? I'd like to link that back to the organizations that don't do Zoom well. Mm -hmm. They're highly political. The big thing that prevents people from using Zoom properly is that there's enormous competitive politics inside the organization. So, for example, I've heard of big corporations, they'll have 20 people on the meeting and everybody is blacked out. Okay. And what they don't like with corporations that are very hierarchical and they're very political don't like is that an individual on the Zoom screen can be anywhere on the screen. You could have the CEO down at the bottom and you could have, <laughs> you know, the lowest person on a totem pole is actually on the top. And they feel very insecure about that because they think they're on top. And I mean, it's very haphazard because everybody is on the screen differently for everybody who's on the screen, you know, and you can move them around. I can move the squares around. So, for example, if somebody's talking, I always move their square right next to me so that when I'm looking at the camera, I'm looking at them. I just flip them around on the screen. Everybody can do that. They can flip me around. We have big groups, like on Wednesday, I'll have four pages of people. And I always wonder, I go to the next page and next room and talk to people and I'll call on them haphazardly. But I think our culture, so going back to your question, what I really strove for was the notion that people could come to coach and they don't have to spend any energy on defending themselves. That you know your role, okay, you know what your job is, you know the team that you're in, 
We've got all sorts of thinking tools that allow you to really, really streamline communication and teamwork and collaboration. And all I want, if you're working in the office, and we're tightening that up a little bit after a couple of years of experience of virtual teams, of having at least one day a month where everybody in each location, in our three main locations, you know, are the UK, and we have a Toronto team, we have a Chicago team, and then we have other people who are more remote. But we just want them to have the experience every month of actually being together. We have breakfast, we have lunch, you know, and people get to interact with each other. And so that's a little adjustment we've made after a couple of years. You know, it needs a little bit more in person. In June, we have everybody worldwide where everybody's coming to Toronto mm-hmm. for it. These are things you learn as you go along. You notice, you know, there's requests and there's a sense. Babs has spidey sense about this, you know, that she says, you know, I think we got to tighten up a little bit. So at least 12 times a year, people have the experience of being in a big group. Mm-hmm. We have the capability now to make data-driven decisions. We use AI tools for various decision-making processes and whatnot. And further to the no defense budget is everybody has the numbers. We know what is expected of us. We know what we're trying to hit. Furthermore, if you set a big, scary, ambitious goal in the corporate world, if you don't hit your numbers, that's a really bad thing because you're the guy who has to come or the gal who's coming into these huddles and these meetings and you're not hitting your numbers. But On the other hand, here at Strategic Coach, if you set a number that is bigger than you expect and add 20%, the Dan Sullivan pricing model, set a price that scares you and add 20%. Well, if you're thinking about podcast totals, you're thinking about qualified leads, you're thinking about social media presence, any content, video views, set a number that scares you and then add 20%. So if you're not hitting your numbers, no one's going to put you over their knee and spank you. They're going to say, okay, so you set a big, bold, ambitious goal. This happened, this happened. You can do an experience transformer. You can sit back and you can say, okay, well, why didn't this work? Maybe the number was just so outrageous that, you know, we pulled it out of our wherever. (laughs) We didn't quite hit it, but you'll never be punished for setting a goal that is ambitious and a little bit frightening. I would assume, and I trust that most of the entrepreneurs that are in strategic coach, this is not totally insular to us, but they would encourage their team members. Do you hear that often? They would encourage their team members to set big, bold, ambitious goals because no one's going to be punished. No defense budget. No one's going to get a spanking if they don't hit their numbers. Do you hear that often? Yeah, well, I think we're the role models here because Babs and I have had this mindset. I mean, we created the company with this mindset. There's three possibilities. So one is that you're winning. So you're on track for your big numbers. And we've got a a good teamwork organization that, I mean, we get daily numbers and we have open book management. So everybody who wants to know, if you want to know what the numbers are and, you know, how much money is being made, what the profits are, that information is all available. Not everybody wants to know it, but it's available. Quite frankly, being one of the owners of the company, I know the sales numbers. I know pretty well on a daily basis how many new people are signing up for the program, what the renewal rates are. So I know that. Don't know a lot about what the marketing numbers are. We're a profitable company and we've had two non-profit, but they weren't losing years. So, you know, we've got really good cash confidence as a company. But the other thing is that quarters and years are kind of arbitrary. I mean, you can 
fail to meet your goals and are year end, and it's across the board now in the U.S. that everybody's year end is the 31st of December. All companies have a year end. You used to be able to choose your year end, and there was a lot of tax fiddling, moving tax years. Now it's just a single, so it simplified things. But you can have a really bad December that made you miss your numbers for the end of the year. But you can have a phenomenal first quarter in the next year that shoots you way above. So you got to have a certain amount of common sense with this. Calendars are arbitrary. But the way business flows and the way that cash comes in, there's seasons to it. And there's unique things that happen that all of a sudden you get a a real tsunami of cash coming in. And you didn't figure on that, but you have to build in both the bad surprises and the good surprises. You just have to have a sense of that. And we've got 35 years of experience, so we know what works. But I think the other thing is that I find that when things don't work, it's not an individual problem. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's a system problem. It's a structured problem. So what we do, we have a tool called the Experience Transformer, So when we say we don't hit our numbers, we say, okay, what worked? The first thing you have to do is what worked about it? I mean, what it was that we were doing that really worked? And you have to have at least five things. And that raises everybody's confidence. So much so that they're confident. I said, okay, so now let's look at what didn't work. And it's never an individual failure. It's always, we haven't really put this together properly. You know, we took too much time doing this. We did what we thought was best, but we hadn't taken into account some things. And then we say, if we were doing this over again now, knowing what we know now, how would we do it better? How would we do it differently? So I've got a phrase that there's only two teams that you can be on. You can be on the winning team or you can be on the learning team. And you got to be on both because you're moving back and forth between winning and learning. There's a lot of trades going on between the winning team and the learning team for future considerations. The only way you can be on the losing team is you didn't win and you didn't learn. And that's the losing team. But I said, what you want to do is you never want to be on the losing team. You just want to be on the winning team or the learning team. Mm-hmm. That requires complete transparency and it requires complete openness. Mm-hmm. That's the system that's not working. Because everybody, if they're freed up from the possibility of being blamed or they have to defend themselves, can get very creative about what happened and what didn't happen. But if you don't give them that reassurance that it's going to be safe to point out glitches and, you know, things not quite clicking the way they should, they won't be creative at all. They'll just defend themselves. They don't want to be in the spotlight for blame. Therein lies the reason why the grinding machine bureaucracy of massive corporations, everything grinds to a halt because people spend more time trying to make sure that no one's watching them screwing up than actually developing anything or making anything or doing anything. Yeah, I mean, there's a great example that I follow because it gives me joy. Except for Tesla, all the EV companies have hit a wall over the last two years. Can you imagine, I mean... Ford, which was in all the big three, Ford and GM and whatever name Chrysler goes by these days, they just hit the wall. Volkswagen hit the wall. The only one that didn't hit the wall was Toyota and says, we don't see a future in EVs. We see hybrid being the way to the future. You have both fuels. You have electricity and you have, I mean, Toyota is probably the biggest 
car company in the world, Total Sales, and they've been around for a while and they've seen cycles and they're not seduced by technology too much. They have great dealerships, they have great service cars or solid cars, not spectacular cars, but very solid cars. But I was watching, can you imagine what it's like in one of those large corporations where somebody bet their business career on EVs and they're losing fifty, sixty thousand dollars on every vehicle they produce. And I said, Well, you're the one who sold this idea. We knew it wasn't gonna work and <laughs> you know, the knives and the hatchets are out, the blood is on the floor and everything like that. Well who wants to be take the chance of being creative in an environment like that, you know? Mm-hmm. Well, until there's a charger on every corner, or at least multiple corners, we're still a, a long ways away from mass adoption, despite what commercials, I mean... Well, the other thing is, I think Tesla just used up the potential buyers, you know? I mean, Elon wants to walk on Mars. He's not really into EVs. It's just a way of making his valuation go up so he can create rocket ships. And troll Disney. Yeah. You know, Dan, we've been talking about the latest quarterly book, Everyone and Everything Grows. You can get your copy at strategiccoach.com. Just click store. There's a free download, or you can purchase a hard copy, whichever way you'd like. It's available there. Everyone and Everything Grows. Yeah. And the unique ability teamwork. I mean, we can't talk about teamwork without talking about unique ability teamwork. It is so instrumental to the work we do here at Strategic Coach. So that wove its way into the book, and that seems like a given. So top line for that before we chat yeah. technology. Yeah, well, the big thing is that one great freedom that technology brings, if it's properly thought about and if it's properly implemented, is that it allows human beings, and we've got 35 years of history with this, that the more you just utilize technology for the kinds of activities where it wouldn't be anyone's unique ability, okay? Like really fast calculating. There isn't any human being you want them spending their time doing fast calculating. And there are some things that technology is just super fast at, and it always is correct. And if the input is proper, the output is always proper. But what it does, it frees up human beings to be human beings. But you have to give humans a target when they first join coach. Basically, one way that we communicate this is that you have a unique ability, you were born with it, and it's an area of activity that you love doing. You're just naturally proficient at this. You're just naturally great at this. You always keep getting better. It always energizes you. And it's what people would value you most if you could do it all the time. And we're going to do a deal, you know, when you join us, you're going to do a whole bunch of activities that we need these activities done. But we're going to be watching you and talking to you. What part of what we've given you do you love doing? What part don't like? And as you get better and better and you fit into a team, you know, of unique ability skills, your unique ability, five other people's unique ability, and you create unique ability teamwork, we're going to reach a point where we can free you up from everything that doesn't energize you anywhere where you get into trouble because you're not really good at it. We want to blueprint your time at Strategic Coach for you to be more successful, more excited, more energized, and more valuable. That's what we want to do. That's from day one. Mm -hmm. 
you know, a lot of people, you know, they just not go for that. They said, you know, I just want a job. I just want to show up at nine and do something and go home at five. And I said, well, fortunately, there's an enormous amount of opportunity for you to do that. Not in our company. Mm -hmm. They're out there. It's just not here. You don't have to go home, but you can't stay here. <laughs> That's what they used to say at dive bars at 2 a.m. here in Toronto. You don't have to go home, but you just can't stay here. You can go wherever you want. Yeah. Dan, I wonder about something. I wonder if you wonder about something. Let's noodle this for a moment, shall we? I wonder if the reliance on AI tools, so we have GPT, Google released Gemini. Oh, yeah, Gemini. Google Gemini. I wonder if the reliance on AI tools to solve the minutia of every problem in one's life and outsourcing your own hopes, dreams, and wishes, because it's simply easier to get an AI to do it, is that going to stifle the ability of younger people in their quest to discover their unique ability and over-reliance on having the machine do it for them, not allowing that serendipity, not allowing that waiting, wondering, wandering, being bored, allowing yourself to develop those, whatever it is, whatever it's going on in synapse town up in your brain, to develop those pathways to discover what you like. Do you think that's where we're headed? And maybe young people should pull back a bit to discover that unique ability, or are we past the threshold? I did a podcast with one of her great clients, Dean Jackson, yesterday. And I said, you know, I've been watching this more as an observer since November 30th, 2022, was when ChatGBT went public, public in the sense that anybody could use it. And I said, you know, I don't get any trend whatsoever after a year and a half. I just don't see anything. And if anything, the picture is less clear now than it was a year and a half ago. We have a great AI guy in the program, Evan Ryan, who's just pushing 30. And he's been working with AI one way or another since he was about 20. He wrote a really great book called AI is Your Teammate, which he has a program and our entire company took it. You know, and I've talked to people, and I mean, we have some AI projects. I have an AI newsletter that writes itself every two weeks, and we're getting 80 to 90% open rate on every issue now. We wouldn't have a newsletter like that ourselves because it would be too much boring work for too many people. But this thing writes itself, it tests itself, it gets the research, it summarizes, you know, all the response rate and gives you a scorecard every two weeks, and then it says, based on how it was received last time, we suggest these articles and everything. And I said, it's terrific, you know. You know, it gives us more exposure. You know, we started with 120 people looking at it. Now we've got over 2,000. It'll be 4,000 in six months. So, you know, it grows every issue. And I said, oh, that's really neat, you know. But if we didn't have it, it wouldn't affect the overall success of our company that much. And I was telling Dean, I said, when the ProVision, Apple's new ProVision came out, which is goggles, you know, I'm not a big fan of goggles. First of all, it's really pricey. I mean, ChatGPT doesn't cost that much. Mm -hmm. It's just utilizing a program on the computer. But ProVision, you know, it's like $3,800 American, I think. Maybe in Canada it's 5000 I don't know. Probably. Yeah. So Dean was saying that he hadn't really been seduced by it yet. And I said, I got two questions about any new technology that changes everything. I mean, every time one of these comes out, this changes everything. And I said, well, depends on what your everything is. You know, and I said, I've got two questions. 
and this is a personal question, this technology, does it increase or decrease ADD? (laughs) (laughs) And the answer will determine whether you are an early adopter or not. Yeah. And I said, it doesn't sound like it would do someone with my neurological makeup a plus. Okay. The other question I ask is, if I don't do this, am I going to miss anything? And as far as I can say, it looks like it will increase my ADD, and it looks like it'll make me more unproductive than I am right now. So I'm going to take a pass on it. Yeah. I think that's the heart of the matter with this. You know what I think it is? I think it has to do with dopamine. Sure. And that these new technologies give a constant dopamine hit. It makes you mm-hmm. like you're mastering the world and you're becoming progressively more useless. <laughs> <laughs> but you have a good feeling about being useless. Before, you didn't feel good about being useless. Now you're getting dopamine eyes from being distracted and useless. So going back to Evan Ryan, our 30-year-old AI was, he said, I'm thinking about writing a new book. And I said, I got a title for you and see if it corresponds to your experience. And I said, I think AI is exponential tinkering. And he says, boy, that's a really interesting use of words. I tinkering is that you get an idea one day, say, I wonder if I take this and put it together with this, what it will produce. So I think it's just a lot of people, a hundred million or so, you know, maybe a billion are just doing little private projects. People are just playing. We're just floating around, you know, their kids in the playground. They said, yeah, I wonder if I put this together with this and, you know, if I build this. And I think there's just a lot of tinkering. And I think that will take the world in a direction that nobody was planning on or even hoping for, you know, that I think it's going to just get a lot of people, a lot of amusement, a lot of entertainment. And one of the big things I do predict is that people will get in touch with how they actually think about things. And because they have this technological mirror coming back and showing them how their brain works. And I think people are going to get a lot of delight out of that. Most of it will be used to make memes. Yeah. Then you have the dirty stepsisters. You have scams and pornography because scams and pornography built the internet. And it's just new ways of experiencing your old addiction. (laughs) On that note, Dan, can I add a third thing to the checklist of your technology adoption thing? Do I have to wear anything stupid on my head? And if the answer is yes, then I'm probably not going to adopt it. Yeah. It was like, what was the Google, the Google glasses? I mean, people have a sense of style, but some people don't. Actually, they feel more comfortable walking around with goggles because they don't want to interact with people anyway. So you have to understand the people designing these things are designing it for the world that they live in. And that ain't the world that you and I live in. And I'm thankful for that. Yeah. What'd you get out of this conversation? Technology can be used for a force of good. It can be used for a force of evil. You can shoehorn it into any of these to make any of these chapters or any of these elements of teamwork and bettering yourself worse, or you can use it in a smart way. And that's what I got out of it. When I read the book for the first time, then the second time I thought, we'll go through these chapters in our next podcast and we'll pepper in where technology kind of fits into it because it goes in line with the show and the intersection of teamwork and technology. I think it has to do with individual aspiration and what people are attracted to. And I think it just multiplies inclinations. You know, I think technology does multiply directions that you're already going in and people are going into 
directions that are good for them and they're going in directions that are bad for them. I think that artificial intelligence, if you weren't productive, it'll make you 10 times more non-productive. And if you're productive, approach it strategically and intelligently, it'll probably make you 10 times more productive. I mean, the microchip did that. The internet did that. So I've got a lot of history. My use of the technology is a function of who the person I am and my plans for myself to the future. And I think technology is a magnifier, but it won't turn a useless person into a useful person. Maybe in a virtual world, but here you're still swimming upstream. Dan, you mentioned Evan Ryan earlier. A uh, recent guest on this show, Podcast Payoffs, when this episode is done, and we're pretty much wrapped up now, you can hop back two episodes and you can start on the double series we did with Evan Ryan. Really fascinating guy, super duper interesting, smart as hell. And he shared with us tips, tricks, techniques, things that you've probably never heard about, and you will get value and glean new information from those episodes with Evan Ryan. So hop back and have a listen to those. Don't just take my word for it or Dan's word for it. You can go back and take Evan Ryan's word for it. And if you like this episode, please share it with someone. Share it with a friend. Share it with someone you love, know, and trust. Share it with someone you don't like at all. We'll take it. Dan, always a pleasure. Thanks so much. Thank you, Gordon.